Blog Talk Radio.
right, welcome to another edition of the Urban Wire episode 60, where we're going to talk about a little bit of this and a little bit of that tonight. And I'm just going to let you guys know up front um, that you can call us at um, area code 646-915-8200, or you can listen to us live at blogtalkradio.com slash UCOFW, or you can hit us up live. We'll have the um, instant messenger up. Yahoo Instant Messenger up. If you want to send us in a message that way, um, you can just send us a message at the, the Urban Wire underscore Indian, that's I-N-D-Y. So you can send us your uh, messages that way. Uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff tonight. So, you know, I'm just going to let y'all know now, you know, we don't, we just going to keep it real here tonight. We're going to be honest. We're going to be respectful towards each other. Um, you know, that's that's what we're all about here. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, I do believe online we have uh Miss C. Um, yes. How's your evening going? My evening is fine, can't complain, cannot complain. <laughs> I know that's why God is still good. Well, why don't you mm-hmm. while we have you on here, we're gonna get it, get into specifically what we're gonna talk about, but can you tell us about the new show that's coming up here within the next week about what we're going to be talking about and just different things that you expect for the show? It's called Reality Check 317. Can you just tell us what, what can the people expect? The people that really tune into the show can expect, you know, to hear a lot about reality, period. You know, we're going to be talking about issues that actually affects our community, you know, and it's just things um, as far just just so many um, things that a lot of people really um, don't want to talk about. Um, and this show is just a way for everybody to come on to really just um, give their views about the actual topics that we are going to be talking about and to be free with, with those topics and to just give your opinion because every voice really needs to be heard. And I think that the problem is is that we don't talk enough about these issues. So this show is really for us to just get on here and just talk about all kinds of issues that are affecting our society. Yeah. And, you know, it's like you said, I mean, you know, um, it's going to be off the hook. It's going to be off the Mm -hmm. hook. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure they are. He's gonna be in here later, and we also have another show on the network that we're doing that's gonna come out later on this third summer called Three XR, where we deal with race, religion, and reality. Mm-hmm. So he'll be on here to discuss that later on, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Now tonight we're gonna to talk about a whole host of things that have been going on in the news. And today, before we even get started, I want to, um, before we start out the show with uh, Michael Jackson, um, because today has been the fourth year uh, anniversary of his death. So we want to still send condolences out to his family. And, you know, it's just a really sad situation that one of... um, our legendary singers is no longer with us, you know, and it was just such Mm -hmm. an unnecessary death. So we just Mm -hmm. wanted to um, send out a uh, quick tribute to to, uh, the Jackson family and Mm -hmm. to Michael Jackson 
in general. So, um, you know, I regardless of how you feel about them, you know, that's that's really questionable because we really don't know a mm-hmm. lot of stuff. Especially, you know, it's, it's really sad because his children are suffering. And, you know, I'm pretty sure you mm-hmm. heard about your daughter and stuff and how she's just been going through a lot and how I think she, right. she's about to commit suicide too, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, she did. Yeah, so it's it's just really sad. And, you know, mm-hmm. to all the people that got all this little ignorant stuff to say, you know what, your time is coming. Mm-hmm. You want to sit up here, get on, you know, I've heard, I heard some people, you know, making fun of his death today, talking about the way he looks and just joking about it. Like, you let mm-hmm. it be one of your members. You let it be somebody that you are close to. You will see mm-hmm. how, you know, that's just right. to make to make fun of. Mm-hmm. You know, we just have a lot of people out You're here right. that are very ignorant and very mm-hmm. closed-minded. And, you know, mm-hmm. and like I said, when it when, when it happens to your family, we'll see who's going to be last in the end. That's right. Mm-hmm. But we're going to get into um, affirmative action. We're going to talk about um, the Voting Act of 1965. Um, that was a case dealing with both of these uh, issues um, taken up by the Supreme Court. And actually the affirmative action they didn't want to touch that. They said well, they left it up to the lower courts and say, you deal with it. So we're going to talk about mm-hmm. the uh, ramifications of that. We're going to talk about the Indiana Black Expo. We're going to also talk about, before we even jump into these issues, we're going to talk, because Michael's going to be in here around um, 11. But we're going to talk about mm-hmm. customer service. We're going to mm-hmm. talk about how nobody owes you anything. And mm-hmm. in this society, you know, especially in the world of hospitality, you need to market yourself as a professional. That's right. And, you know, people always tell me, oh, you need to tip your, your servers and tip this, that, and the other. But we're going to talk about should we really tip them if they're giving poor service or should they automatically get, a you know, a, a tip, even if the, mm-hmm. the service is very inferior service. Like, we're going to talk about that in a second. And also, we're going mm-hmm. to get on the George Zimmerman trial. We're going to talk about that. And um, we're going to play you a clip of what happened during that trial and how it started out. So, um, you know, everybody go get your snacks, get your drink, whatever you prefer, <laughs> whether it's an adult beverage or, you know, you, you know what I'm saying. Because I know mm-hmm. some of y'all, I, you know, I ain't trying to get off in y'all business. Some of y'all probably sipping on some things right now. You know, you got to get up and punch that time clock in the morning. I ain't going to call you out now. That's right. But, but you know, I just want to get uh, let you guys know what we're going to do. Once again, you can call in at 646-915-8200. And this is Seneca Harris and C. Johnson. Starting off the show, um, we're going to go to a couple songs and then, um, you know, try to get everything set up, get get y'all, you know, you know, get your groove on, give you a little something, to, you know, bounce to for a second. And then we're going to come back and jump right into the show this evening. Um, we're going to probably play a little Bruno Mars. We're going to play um, a little this, a little that. You know, you never know with me, I, you know. 
But anyways, we will be back shortly, and we will jump into our show. All right. And by the way, I want everybody to know that um, I didn't know know if you guys knew that. Um, but yeah, did you hear about that incident that happened downtown um, last night? Well, yesterday about I guess they supposedly well it really wasn't. I thank God it wasn't anything bad. But they um, were saying how um, someone brought in a bomb or something like that. Was trying to get in, uh, get a bomb. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess they said it really wasn't a bomb or something like that. So I, that's that's good. So I just wanted mm-hmm. to uh, let everybody know about that because I was like, I heard about that. I was like, you, you serious? Yeah. Like, yeah. They, they were saying how that is like no longer a threat. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to um, let everybody know about that. But anyways, we're going to go to some music, and we will be back shortly. All right.
keep listening. Read the word. Let everybody know that we're on tonight. Once again, that number is 646-915-8200. Once again, that number is 646-915-8200. If you have a request and you want to um, send it in, feel free to hit us up on our group page on Facebook. Just look us up under the Urban Coalition of Freelance Writers, and just send in your requests. If you have any questions, any comments, hit us up there. We also have a YouTube page. Um, check us out at youtube.com slash UCOFW. Um, that's where you can catch the ex- excerpts of our show. And like I said, to spread our videos around, um, let everybody know that we're on right now. Once again, six four six nine one five eighty two hundred. Everybody, get up.
since we have been forgiven, what should be our corresponding action? I'm glad you asked. We should forgive and extend grace to everybody else. No wonder Matthew says, and when you start praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. For if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who's in heaven forgive your transgressions. As a Christian, you've got to forgive. Now that said, and please don't get offended, the new F word in the word church is forgive. I'm going to say it again. The new F word in this church is forgive. Now that said, do me a favor, touch your neighbor and say, F you. God, I wish I had. God, I wish I had 25 people that say, I forgive you for whatever you said about me. Not just your neighbor, look down your whole road saying, F y'all too. Go ahead and tell them. You know what, y'all looking at me crazy. Would you do me a favor? Take your phone out. Text all your exes and say, I'm at church. F you. Forgive you for lying on me and talking about me. Pastor, my mama don't like you. Well, F your mama. My family don't like you. F your family too. You know what? Jump on your feet. Step your finger. Say, F everybody in here. God, I wish I had five people. That would jump on your feet and high five six people say F you go ahead tell them F you go ahead high five somebody else say F you y'all F you y'all F you F all y'all F you God I wish I had somebody that would have a little church with me and thank God that He forgave you for all your sins and now you can forgive everybody else. All right, we're coming up next is our exclusive interview with Kathy Taylor Brown by Seneca Harris. Church, Texas. Uh, I brought it up because 
I've just done a new CD with them. It's called Spirit of a Grateful People. Uh, I am singing on it, and we also have some of the, some of the great singers from the church. Uh, it is a CD from the family. That was the goal. And in this day, in this society, with so much going on, I wanted uh, to just bring before the Lord something from His people that we are grateful for what we, where we are, be grateful for what, what you're doing in our lives, and just thanking Him in the midst of all that's going on. I just wanted us to rise up and say, Lord, we're grateful. So what are some of your favorite tracks on that, on this um, this particular CD, uh, we have some of our youth, some of our young adults, and also some of the our daughters. Yes, some of the everybody. I think my favorite that would be at this time, um, a hymn called We Gather Together. And there's another song that two of our young adults are singing. It's called Search Me, O God. And it's a song just uh, just saying, Search me, O God. Examine my heart. And if there be any wicked way in me, cleanse me. You know, and that's what we need to be in this day and hour. We need to be cleansed by the blood so that we can walk through this world uh, compelling others to know him as Lord as well. So what gives you, so just in general, what, what gives you just the, the power to just Thing with such authority, like what I mean, have you pretty much gone through things and like that built you that brought the top, you know, brought you to the point to where you can worship God with you know everything within you? I mean, what gives you that power? Uh, what gives me that power is the power of the Holy Ghost, right. but now, um, my story is that my mother, my mother's mother died when she was 13, and she take care, take care of her sisters and brothers. So when she began to have a, but her mother was like the big singer in town. It was a small country town, but her mother was there. And so she asked the Lord, when she would, when she grabbed her children, Lord, let one of my children sing. Let one of my children play the piano. So, and I'm number four out of five kids. And she said one day when she was on her knees, she was asking the Lord to hear. I was on the piano playing and singing. And she said, and she said the Lord said that I would see the world and sing the well, I'm here today because I'm going to pray. And, and put it on the inside of me as a child. She let me know God at a young age. And I'm just here now willing to say this So what is so, so what is some advice that you would give to other kind of artists, uh, people that are looking to minister and that are uh, coming out to the forefront like some of the younger generation? What would you what kind of advice would you give them in general as far as like from the artist point of view of you and spiritual point? From the spiritual point of view, I would say know God. Know that you're called to the Don't just come out here because you want to be a star. But, but that you want the star to shine through. That's what I get in the spiritual And on just a, as being a young singer, I would say uh, polish your car. And understand the gift of God if you want to go into the business. That is a business side. All right, we are back on air, and um, you are listening to the Urban Wire. 
brought to you by the Urban Coalition of Freelance Writers, where we shine the light on issues impacting the urban community. You are listening um, to Senator Harris and Sue Johnson tonight, and we're just going to jump right into the show. Um, now, the first thing I really want to jump on is, uh, oh, boy, you know, we're going to get into some serious, I just want to get this out of the way while we're at it. What do you think about customer service? Like when you hear the word customer service, what 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 comes to mind? The first thing that comes to mind with me is giving your all to the customer, making sure that they don't have any questions after you are done helping them. That means assisting them in any area that they need assistance. That also goes with phone service as well. That also goes with the way that you handle your customers. So it's not just talking to them. It's all about your actions as well. And the reason why I want to bring this topic up because, you know, I'm just I'm just going to have a come here. I said, come here, Mom. Come here. Come here. I'm, I'm gonna need. I'm. I, I gotta. I gotta point my people out tonight. Well, I'm gonna have a. We, we gotta have a come here moment because I am so sick and tired. Now we gotta step it up. We really do. And I'm not saying other people don't need lessons in customer service, but I'm. I'm just talking to my people now because that that that's my first passion right there. You see what I'm saying? And one thing about it is we in order for society society to take us serious, we have to we have to take ourselves serious before anybody else can. That's right. Now the issue of professionalism is something that I want to bring into this as well because the whole the whole situation behind this topic is I went to um a restaurant here in Indianapolis, um Pretty much it's, uh, you know, I went to Fridays. You know, there's Fridays everywhere. But there's a particular Friday, Friday that's on the west side of Indianapolis. And I'm, yes, and I'm calling you out. I'm calling you out. Yes, I am. On 465 and 38th Street, Highway 465 and 38th Street. And I'm going to tell you this now. If you want inferior service, if you want, to be treated like you're a second-class citizen, by all means, go to that Friday. But if you don't, you need to listen to this because I went there with a close friend of mine. We were just there, you know, meeting up after work, um, just just having a conversation, you know, just you know, just talking about some things that have, you know, that, you know, just getting some things and just relaxing. And we 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 got there, and uh, my friend, she was there before I got there. Um, she said it took the waitress there, and, I, and I'm really tempted to calling her out, but I'm just going. I'm not going to do that. I'm, you know, I'm going to tell you what she looked like. You go there and find out for yourself. You know who I'm talking about. Took this waitress, this, this young lady, ten minutes to even come to the table and acknowledge that she was there, and then when she came, the table was still. He had to clean the table. 
Okay, that's strike one. This stuff should have been done before you sat somebody down at that table. See? Uh-huh. But that that's not even the big thing. So I arrived, and, you know, I seen the young lady. You know, I seen her. You know, she had this long, greasy weave. And back in the pony, you know, she, but whatever. I wasn't, I'm not going to get on her appearance. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm going to give everybody a fair shake. You know, I'm looking at her. She gave me Bougetto, a.k.a. Boogie slash Ghetto. Five. Like, she really was trying to act Boogie, but she still had Ghetto vibes. She had a nice, nasty attitude. But, you know, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. You know, I, I placed my order. And I just wanted an appetizer. You know, we were just sitting there talking, whatever. And so I ordered my um, appetizer. I ordered an uh, order of um, queso, and I ordered some spinach dish. So, you know, I thought this shouldn't take too long to come out. So she comes bringing me out this case dip, okay, mm. and the, the dip was, like, not hot, but it wasn't cold. But I said, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I was in my conversation, so I wasn't really tripping off of that. So it seems to me that you kind of would have brought that out around the same time with the spinach dip. But I said, okay, maybe she has to, you know, this, that's coming right up. Do you know that this 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 woman, I'm going I'm to keep it classy, tacky, trifling, ghetto, um, went, went to the back, and obviously she was back there joking around, not doing her job, probably back there watching the game. You know what I'm saying? She took... And, and, you know, I'm sitting up here having a conversation, so I got wrapped up in the conversation. And I said, has it been over 30 minutes since we've seen her? Like, because, you know, I only got my, my, my cup filled once, you know, and we was like, wow, where, where did she go? We had to ask somebody at, that was working at the bar to go hunt down our waitress. So here she comes running out talking about, oh, here's your here's – your, uh, spinach dip. Um, do you want any more? And I said, you know what? I'm almost ready to go. It, at this point, it was about 45 minutes. You know what I'm saying? And like, okay, we're ready to go almost. You know what I'm saying? So, why are you bringing me out an appetizer? It took you 45 minutes, and the place at this point started dying now. It took you 45 minutes to bring out an appetizer. I said, I said, um, no offense, ma'am, you can take that back because I, I'm about ready to go, and I'm, you know, and I'm just, I don't want that. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm kind of like at this point turned off. You know what I'm saying? You haven't came and checked on us one time. You know, you're bringing out our food. It's like at this point, I would think that we're at Red Lobster somewhere, and you know, I'm ordering like, like some type of steak and lobster dinner. You know, where I would have to wait for a long period of time. But this is a simple appetizer on half off night for appetizers. And you're telling me it takes 45 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes for you to bring out an appetizer. And I'm like, bro. And then you just, you didn't even say sorry. You didn't say nothing. You just said, oh. She said, okay. And she just took it to the back. Like, and then, okay, I said, whatever. I'm so over this 
tramp at this point. You know what I'm saying? Because she's just giving, like, I don't care about you attitudes. I'm giving the I don't care attitude back. I said, I just said, just say it tacky. I said, this, this is just so tacky. That's what I said. And I made sure that she heard it. Very deep. So she comes so back. We had, okay, she disappeared again. We had to get somebody to go find her again to get, we were mm-hmm. ready to go to take our check. Mm-hmm. I said, we could have easily got up and walked out. We could have we could have walked out and not paid for anything. Right. That's, that's right. how long she was gone. Nobody wasn't even paying attention to us. So she comes back finally after somebody had to go find her again. And she took our credit card, both our, you know, our um, bank cards and stuff. She stays gone for another 10, almost 15 minutes. And we're like, where is she at? So she finally comes back. Girl, did you know that she had the nerve to pick our credit card up and receipts up? Did you know that? See that? Mm, that is terrible. So I, you know what? And see what the ironic part is, you said that you went there and, and, and ended up with the same um, the same white. person, the same one, same exact so what, thing. So what happened? Well, our adventure was, you know, we had went out. It was it was my mom. trying with her. She was very 
disrespectful. And you're right, I'm almost tempted to say her name, too, because people need to know. When you go there, if you see her and if you hear the name or see the name, don't sit in that section at all. You know, because pretty much she just had, she had a very, very rotten attitude, uh, very tacky, very disrespectful. Yes. And didn't you say she, she had the nerve to say something to you about, um, well, nobody told you to come here. Yes. And she had the audacity to tell me that no, that uh, nobody told you to come here. And I told her, I said, and you're absolutely right. Nobody told us to come here, but we came here because we wanted to come here. And that means that when we walk through these doors, that means that you're supposed to serve us. You know, and did nobody tell you to come here and start working here making $2.15 an hour while you think you're smart? And I told her that our tips is what puts money in your pocket. And so tonight from us, all you're going to be getting the $2.15 from your paycheck because you're not getting a dime from our pocket, point blank. Yeah. And she just needs to know that because obviously that's all she used to getting because that, with that cheap that cheap yakky weed that she got on on cleanse on that cleanse rack at that Chinese store, not the Chinese <laughs> store, that Chinese store, where she got that half off weed. If you if you put like just a, 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 a even if you light a back here, it's just like fall up on the poof. Okay, and she got that that that, that packed ass weed. And that cheap, and that cheap ass mascara she had on, or whatever she had on, her ugly self. Now see, cause she, you know, she done made me mad. Yes. And, and I don't That's mean to talk about that girl like that, but her attitude—it ain't about what she had on; it's her attitude. That's right. And if she had a better attitude, she'd be able to upgrade to a more nicer grade of weed. Hair weaver, that's what she wanted. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know if that was, I don't know what that was on her head. You know what I'm saying? But the thing is, girl, you can't sit here with that nice, nasty attitude and then expect somebody to respect you and take you seriously and then give you money out of their hard earned check because you feel that you're entitled to something that you didn't work hard for. Right. See what I'm saying? And let me tell you right. something. Let me tell y'all something. Especially for some of these ignorant people working in 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 this surf in those in that line of work, you think that somebody automatically owe you something? Let me tell you something. With this economy the way it is, ain't nobody about to come up off money to put in your pocket. So I work hard for money. I'm living. You think I'm gonna give you some hard earned money? So you can sit around here, sit on your behind, and not do nothing. You know, and expect somebody to put some money on the table. Let me tell you something. I could very well, I believe in tipping. Let me tell you. But I'm going to tell you this. You're not going to sit here and treat me like a second-class citizen and then expect. Because let me tell you something about this ignorant fool that replied to one of my postings about that. I said, talking about uh, you should be be careful how you talk to people that deal with your food. I said, but you know what? This will come from a Negro, which I'm pretty sure his, his nickname is Tyrone or Pookie or somebody like that. That will come from somebody ignorant like that because that's the only thing that you are good at, and that's the only thing that you're going to ever 
confused about it because of your man or the attitude and you think that somebody's entitled to give you something that you ain't worth for. Mm-hmm. That's why you working with somebody kids, rubbing them damn pans and them pies. Frying chicken. Frying purse. You know what I'm saying? You, that's why you think nothing but a chicken fry. That's why you don't ever be. That's right. Because you That's think right. somebody owes you something a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to praise somebody. But you know what? People put themselves in situations in life to where they can't get anywhere because of your attitude and your outlook right. on life. You're right. You feel what I'm saying? Yes, you are so right. So I just wanted to bring that up because we fight better as a one as a community. Mhm. You yes, know. We do. So. You know, I, I just I just got to say that. You know what I'm saying? Mhm. So we're gonna move right along to our next topic, and our next topic I want to talk about is. The Indiana Black Expo. Now I know a lot of different cities have Black Expo, including here, and you know, and it's it's, it's a wonderful occasion where people can learn. Um, they can have a sense of cultural pride, um, where we can go and learn about our community. We can see different artists. We can just have just a greater self-esteem about ourselves, and also, you know, um, go. Um, get ourselves checked, uh, um, learn about our health. Um, mm-hmm. We can go take advantage of different job opportunities, different, just, just a lot of positive things. But a lot of this stuff is being overshadowed by ignorance. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, I mean people that don't know about the history of Black Expo Want to, they want to judge it and they want to put it down because of the mistakes of a few ignorant people. Now, my thing is, you, you know, you want to put down an event that's been very beneficial to the community, but yet you – I know here at Indianapolis we have the Indiana um, – what's, what's the other one that we have um, that, that the right – Indy 500 and brick draw 400. You don't want to talk about all the stuff that goes on down there, but you want to talk about a few incidents that happen at Black Expo that don't necessarily have anything to do with the Black Expo directly, but just because of that, you want to stereotype and make it seem that everybody that comes down there is like mm-hmm. that. And you think that that the Expo is all about going down here partying and drinking and shooting up people and this, that, and the other, but you don't never, you never want to talk about the positive. And that's the thing I'm so sick right. of people that don't know what they're talking about. I had this idiot at work that sat around. And you got a bunch of dumb. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put it out here because you know I, I don't know how to be anything else but real. Had a bunch of Uncle Tom as ignorant chicken and grits <laughs> eating, watermelon slurping. Negro mm-hmm. sitting around laughing, and this white guy sitting at work talking about, well, looks like it's almost time for it. He, he made a smart comment talking about, 
yeah, for time for the White Expo or something, he mm-hmm. said, too, saying, talking about, you know, I'll be scared to go down there because, uh, you know, I'm, you know, I was never going to never stop being shot. And then mm-hmm. he said, you know, and I proceeded to tell him, I said, you know what? I said, before you want to make a comment, actually go to the Expo and see what it's about. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and, and, and I said, you know, become more informed and educated about the world around you before you start actually making comments. You see what That's I'm saying? Right. And then he tried to, because, oh, I didn't mean it like that, you know, and blah, blah, this, that, and the other. And then he was like, well, you know, you know, the only good thing about the expo really is about the health fair. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? Like, I would talk to you about that, and you made a good point. Like, you you said something that I didn't even think about. And what was that? Like, he was really trying to be funny. Yeah. What I said was um, he was really trying to say that African-American people's history, as far as medical things are concerned, is that we are unhealthy, you know, Statistics shows that, you know, we have the highest rate of diabetes, AIDS, all that kind of stuff, and it runs through our blood. So that's what he was trying to say. He said it almost, um, he said it in a in an indirect way. He didn't directly come out and say it. He said that indirectly. So that was almost on the lines of reading in between the lines, and, and I truly believe that that's exactly what he was trying to say. And what made me sick even more than what he said is just the response these black folks is sitting at this table, you know, and then mm-hmm. and then somebody said later on, I don't think he meant it like that because I think he has um, some people knew it. when I, I almost blew, they they started late they said they already knew I was about to go off on them and just mm-hmm. get him together with the idea and, and there were some people that was like dang you know what I'm saying because. You know, they sitting up there, everybody else sitting up there, you know, like some old slave, some, some old slave Negroes sitting at the back mm-hmm. of the bus somewhere just rocking and humming like they scared to say something. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And, and it just kind of pissed me off because y'all sitting up here listening to this man, and y'all want to take up for him talking about, well, he has a black black wife and mixed children. That don't mean nothing mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Because some people, this is the problem. I have a, I have a problem with this. Just because you think you you screwing somebody that's black, or you laying up next to somebody that's black or minority, that gives you right. a free pass to say whatever the hell you want to say. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I, to me, I, I think that's even more despicable. You sitting up here thinking because you 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 got a free you got a free pass to say a free KKK pass where you can just. Redeem it. Redeem the coupon and say whatever you want to say when you feel like saying. That's right. That's right. And I'm sorry. And I know some people are gonna get offended by this. I don't care because one thing about right. me, I'm gonna talk about everybody else. I'm gonna talk about my own. Right. Mm-hmm. And if I'm gonna talk about my because own, I'm gonna talk about everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that needs to be heard. So I, yeah. I don't know. How, how do you feel about that? Um, I actually think that it was inappropriate. It was rude, and it show 
prejudice and segregation has not left our society. It's still here, you know, and it's, you know, and especially with a comment like that, um, I truly believe that he truly meant that. You know, anytime a person comes out and says something like that, those were strong words. Those were harsh words. And, um, you know, you you may have a typical person that may think, okay, well, that's just a brush on the shoulder. No, that was very um, racial and that was very prejudiced. And those are things that he fails to realize that can truly get him hurt. You know, there there are people that will hear that comment that he made and truly jump on him because, you know, that's just how they are. And I'm not talking about verbally. I'm talking about physically because there's people out here that really take this stuff to heart. We take it to heart, but, of course, we know, you know, we're we're not going to put our hands on people like that because they said something like that. But there are people out here that will do that. And it's just so unfortunate. And those And when people say those kind of things, it makes me think that um, they were raised that way, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, that it ran through their family. These are things that they were taught. These are things that they've heard people say, you know, and these are feelings that have burrowed deep down inside and is going on with them. So, you know, when it all boils down, I truly believe that he meant every word that he said, every word. Right. Mhm. Well, we're gonna go to the line for the quick. I believe we have Michael online. Uh, is this you, Michael? Yep. Just got in from work. Oh. Okay. So, whoops. So how you been? Back to work and busy <laughs> adjusting back to the grind. <laughs> yeah. You see, you had you had a little vacation, huh? Yeah, a little bit of one. Now I'm trying to figure out how to get back into the swing of things. I'm tired. <laughs> I hear you. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, once you, you get used to relaxing and, and, and laying on your cookies, you don't want to get them up. You get them fresh. <laughs> but so I know how you fortunately, feel. I have to usually go back to work to get more rest because usually that's the problem when I'm off work. I'm always doing something. <laughs> Well, that's hey, that's the thing of vacation. You definitely want to take advantage of it, and you want to, you know, you know, at least just get out and do a couple things that you want to do, you know, while you're on vacation. Mm-hmm. So, does you have you seen, have you heard of any person that you want to share? Do what now? There's an echo. I couldn't understand. I said, have you heard or seen anything in the news that you would like to share about? Like, or because I know. Um, oh, oh, um, no! I was coming over some news articles tonight, and I see where some, you know, we're about to the end of the quarter here for the or the end of the Supreme Court session. I do know that we can expect the uh, Prop Eight and Doma results to be within the, like the next week. So I have been and keeping an eye out for that. But. Had a couple of um, landmark decisions from the Supreme Court as well, um, dealing with the issues of affirmative action and the Voting Act of 1965. We're going to get into that too. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned earlier today, marks the 
fourth year anniversary of Michael Jackson's death. Um, we were just talking about that in, earlier and, and just saying how tragic that death was. And, and we're just in just in dealing with that in the essence of how his children have been coping with that. Um, I think his youngest daughter, well, his daughter, Paris, I think that's her name, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how she's been going through a lot and how she um, recently – um, tried to commit suicide. So, like I said, just keep the, the family and your thoughts and prayers. You know, like nobody, unless you actually have lost a, um, a a a parent, you really don't know how that feels. Especially a a parent as iconic as Michael Jackson. And, and if, even if you look at Whitney Houston, how her daughter kind of suffered. After that, because you know when you think about it, they're taking on a whole lot. Like you probably deal with a lot of vultures coming around you after you get married. A lot of press, a lot of you know people, and you don't have you know that parental um um what's the word I'm looking for? That you don't have that that guardianship or somebody looking after you, you know, to protect you from all that. So you know it's one of those things we can sit back and judge, but Unless you have gone through that, you cannot judge that. You can't. You don't know what it, what it is to lose a parent, especially a parent that mm-hmm. was in the in the limelight like that. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So we have to really be careful before we pass judgment. And even with Michael Jackson's life, we don't know all the situation. We don't know all the the circumstances or the facts. You know, we're only given what the media sees or what they want to give us or what or, you know. Standing on the outside looking in, we don't know what has actually happened. And this is my thing. Um, right. This is my thing, and I'm just—I I just got to throw this in here. I know we got a lot to cover, so I'm—I'm—I'm gonna I'm I'm uh, say this and I'm gonna move on. This is my thing. It's—it's it's a very sad situation where you know, and this is this—I don't know how I feel about Latoya Jackson because you sitting up here. And, and you know, and I remember when Amarosa from um, Celebrity Apprentice was kind of attacking her for this. You know, they was they had a thing where they was going back and forth and stuff like that. She got on Wendy Williams and said this, which I, I'm not a real big fan of Amarosa because she she got a nice nasty attitude. She's cutthroat, messy, but she said something yeah. that made sense to me, like where where she said that uh, it's kind of sad when. You going through all this negative press, and your own sister don't have your back. She's sitting up there accusing you. She don't even know what's going on herself, but she she's not even taking up for you. And, and and now you want to sit up here after he's dead and act like you miss him, and, and you know, and you kind of gaining you 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 kind of gaining off that press. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's and it's very sad that people. Your own family don't have your back, and yeah. but they want to benefit off of your shine, though, after mm-hmm. you dead and gone. So, mm-hmm. like I said, you know, just just seeing that, it, you know, there's no telling what's going on within that family. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So it, it's just, you know, it's it's just a sad situation. Um, even four years later, you know, it's it's really. Uh, Really, really sad in how um, his death occurred, and you know, and the things that have transpired since then. You know, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. But 
So, I mean, so what do you think about that, about as far as, like, you know, people in his family now trying to benefit off of him now that he's dead? Hmm. I think they weren't close to begin with. Why all of a sudden are they trying to act like they're close now? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I wait a minute. I, I know why. Because the kids have a trust fund. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Honey, they done took the trust out of that fund. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyways, we're going to get to what we came here to really talk about tonight. And there was um, one of the, the – uh, we're going to get to the George Zimmerman trial, too, um, because that trial actually just started. And I'm telling you, it they came out with a bang. Like, they really did. We have a clip for that. But I really want to get on this um, uh, Supreme Court. Well, I have a couple uh, articles I really want to bring to you, um, one of which, uh, let's see, affirmative action. This is from the New York Times. Affirmative, uh, lacking definitive ruling on affirmative action, both sides claim victory. And this comes, like I said, comes from the New York Times, and it was written by John Schwartz, and um, it was published earlier today, and this comes out of Washington, D.C. The Supreme Court's decision to send a thorny affirmative action case back to the lower court for additional review left both sides claiming victory on Monday. Civil rights groups that favor race-conscious admissions cheered the ruling, arguing that the court had upheld its 2003 decision in the Grutter versus Bollinger case. That decision supported the principle that states have a compelling interest in achieving student diversity but, but required that any plan to include race as a factor in admissions should be Subjected to scrutiny, formal scrutiny. Quote: We're gratified that the court has essentially upheld that that framework. Unquote, says Cheryl. Cheryl, I feel president of the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund. Edward Blum, the man who was who who has been the driving force behind the challenge to the University of Texas of Austin, um, ruled that ruled on by the court, scoffed at the claims of victory from groups that support affirmative action. Quote, if they are excited about this ruling, he said, I think it's gravely misplaced. The the decision, Mr. Blum said, begins the restoration of the original colorblind principles to our national civil rights laws and will both hasten at the end of racial preferences in schools across the nation and unleash a flood of lawsuits. Under the justices' requirements, the racial distinctions in admissions be subjected to a tough constitutional test, he said, quote, it is very unlikely that most institutions will be able to overcome these hurdles, unquote. Experts with a strong stake in the case said that neither side should feel fully triumphant, and that the issue was far from being resolved. Quote, for supporters of affirmative action, I put it in the category of a of disaster averted rather than victory. 
Kid Dave, H. Ross, the University of Chicago. He said a trial potentially followed by another round of appeals would be case in the main spotlight for you. Okay. Um, it looks like the case has to turn on specific facts, he said. The court really wants the lower courts to get deep into it, and that suggests, and they suggest the trial. Major state universities reacted cautiously, with their most declining, either declining to comment or saying that they were still trying to make sense of the ruling. Administrators said that the decision would have no effect for now, but the case and the issue was not dead. Prior to this ruling, every university in the country was already thinking about all of the other alternatives depending on the outcome of the case and about how to prove whether the policy is working, said um, Joanne E. Berg, the vice provost for enrollment at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. I don't think that, quote, I don't think that should change, but I don't think it will. Um, how much has actually changed with Monday's decision is questionable, said Aaron Chemerski, founding dean of the law school at the University of California, Irvine. With uh, the tone of the opinion in the Fisher versus University of Texas case written by Justice Anthony M. Kennedy, is tougher than that of Justice Sandra Day O'Connor's opinion in 2003 Grutter case. Quote, in terms of the law, it may be established that strict scrutiny requires proof that no less discriminatory alternative can suffice, he said. So why, uh, while Mr. Chemisky expects to see more litigation against the universities, quote, I don't think that it will will be at floodgates because this case changed so little and that the real issue will be what happens on remand and when it gets back to the Supreme Court, unquote. The Texas plan, however, may not survive, said Benet Harpolini, a visiting uh, assistant professor of law at the Chicago Kent College of Law at the Illinois Institute of technology Because previous votes At the court of appeals were closed He noted the tougher review Could lead to the district court Of the fifth circuit To strike down the Texas policy um, Eight states have already banned Consideration of race admit, Admissions to their public colleges Which include Arizona California Florida Michigan New Hampshire Nebraska, Oklahoma, and Washington through the Michigan laws have been suspended by a court's ruling and will be weighed by Supreme Court later this year. Meanwhile, Abigail Fisher, the young woman who sued the University of Texas, said, quote, I'm just very honored and grateful to have participated in this, unquote. With a di different smile, she spoke at the American Enterprise Institution in Washington alongside Mr. Blum and her parents. Quote, I'm very confident that UT won't be able to use race as a factor in admissions in the future, she said. The lessons 
Miss Miss Fisher's learned from the experience of taking a case all the way to the Supreme Court. Stick to your ideas. Stick by your ideas, even if it means some personal sacrifice, she said. William Powers, Jr., the president of the University of Texas at Austin, said that the university will continue to defend this policy because a diverse body, quote, prepares young people for life in increasingly global society, unquote. The ruling, he said, quote, has no impact on admissions decisions we have already made or any immediate impact on our holistic admissions policy. All right. That was that article right there. Um, that has to do with affirmative action. And this is my question that I have. See, are you on, on speaker? Uh-huh, and I take it off. Yeah. All right. This is my question. This lady, because this is what I'm saying, is this a lady that's com- complaining and this is my question. Is is this a lady that's complaining about uh, minorities being considered um, to be accepted into a university or is she a minority mm-hmm. herself? That's, that's, that's why I'm kind of confused at on this story. And I haven't really mm-hmm. had a chance to delve into it because why would you complain? Like, to me, that's why I'm thinking this is somebody that's just being – Patty, I think, because why would you, it couldn't be somebody, a minority, because, like, why would you com- complain about people mm-hmm. trying to diversify campus? Like, to me, that goes to show you right there that you, you, you're you missing the whole picture of affirmative action and what it is. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. to me, like, like, like the president of the university said, like, you're sitting up here, you know, getting upset about them trying to diversify the campus, but really when you get out into the real world, you're going to have to deal with all kinds of people, in which I don't understand that. Like, why Why do you, you know, this world is not going to stop because you don't want to deal with different types of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? And that's how, how I Absolutely. take it. Absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. you know. People want to think because you want to be diverse that that's cutting in on their action. And people have this misconception about affirmative action um, mm-hmm. where they say, well, you're bringing in minorities that aren't qualified, and that's far from the truth. It is mm-hmm. pretty much policy that is there to level the playing field. Right. You're not, And it's not about let minorities in that aren't as qualified because really let's, let's, let's be real about it. Without affirmative action even today, some of the most qualified candidates could be someone of color but because of certain people's mindsets of preconceived notions, they'll never even be looked at or have a chance because of mm-hmm. that ignorance. You see what I'm saying? And right. affirmative action there to make sure that 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 playing field is level, because at the end of the day, this is a melting pot. This this country is consists of different people from different walks of life and ethnicities and creeds and all that stuff. And for you to ignore that fact is sickening within itself. So these mm-hmm. people that are so much against affirmative action, you come up with a better idea then that will. I mean, if you have something better, bring it to the table instead of trying to strike something now. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And like I said, become educated about the issue before you're so quick to, you know, come against it. You know, a lot of people don't even know the, the true history behind it and what it mm-hmm. was for. Absolutely. Yeah, you're know. so right about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what did you See, get from that article? Mm-hmm. Well, my thing is, and I'm like along the lines of where you were coming from, that, you know, that this individual truly, you know, did not have a um, true understanding, nor did she comprehend what the meaning of affirmative action was, because the simple fact is, we know that it was established, you know, it's a policy or a program, and that was established um, so that we can undo any past discrimination, you know, and there are so many active measures that we take so that we can ensure, you know, African Americans to have equal opportunity, whether it's education or employment. And she took it in a whole different you know, she she took it on a whole different road for whatever reason, you know, and you're right. I think she needs to go back and research the main reason why affirmative action came into part because she has a true mis- misconception, you know, and that's really what I got from it. And, and this is my thing, you know, and people are so quick to always shoot down something that doesn't pertain to it. But like I said, you know, until you have – experience discrimination one-on-one and you mm-hmm. dealt with it personally, who are you to sit here and judge and say that, well, this program isn't needed and this and that and the other? Mm-hmm. You, you don't, you're not on that, you're not walking in that person's shoes. So how can you sit there and make some type of claim that, you know what I'm saying? That this, right, right. Like I, I want to know if this was, because I'm kind of confused, like I said. I don't know if this is somebody, from what I got from the article, I don't know if this is from somebody that is against affirmative action because because the university was, it couldn't be because the university was trying to diversify its campus. So I'm, I'm assuming that whoever this was was against affirmative action. And to me, that is kind of sick because nine times out of ten, it's not going to really affect you. Like even if mm-hmm. you even if you remember the majority, you still gonna get in. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't think affirmative action is really doing is not really fixing the problem. If anything, it's it's you know what I'm saying we need something that's even better because like or something that is being actually enforced. Because I don't think it's really being enforced on some levels. It's not. Mm-hmm. It, it's really mm-hmm. not because you know. Um, like I said, there's plenty of minorities that are qualified and and they mm-hmm. still don't get an equal shape. You know what I'm saying? So right. it's, I, it, it's just it's one of those things and I think that the, the Supreme Court recognizes that this is something that they don't want to really have mm-hmm. their hands in right now. And that's mm-hmm. why they're sending it back to the lower courts, I think, because, you know, mm-hmm. obviously they th- you know, they must, in some ways, this is just my opinion, they must side with the university a little bit because mm-hmm. if they felt that it was really unconstitutional, they would have ruled on that. Mm-hmm. But like they 
they want to send it back to the lower court so they can, you know, uh, kind of look at this more closely. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, right. I don't see, but you, you know. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, and I was just going to say <clears throat> that, you know, when they say this whole thing about affirmative action, you know, and they put in there, you know, where they say that they're going to do it or they're going to select the, you know, most qualified person without any regards to the race, religion, or whatever. And my main thing is the race part. Now, they say that, but that, to me, it seems like a lot of these companies still look at race. And um, and I'm just going to say this, and if anybody's listening or whatever that gets offended, I'm so sorry. I truly believe that a lot of these companies, will hire a person that has a turban on their head, a scarf on their head. They they hire them before they hire a black person. You know, and I'm so sorry but but I really feel the way because you can go in all these companies and you will see all these people with turbans and scarves and you know that they're Muslims or Arabic, which I am not against that period. But I'm saying that and you hardly see any African Americans in these businesses, which mainly means that they really are looking at race. You know, they will prefer to oust a black person over any other nationality or race, period. And I'm sorry, we're in the Midwest, and that's and that's just how that culture is here. But this is my thing. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and see, this could go either way. This can go to one extreme or the other, because to me, don't sit up here and claim that you're all about diversity and you just bring anybody in, too, just to mm-hmm. say that you satisfy the quote, because I got a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Don't sit up here and make a mockery of diversity or affirmative action. You think that you since you you, you hire Laquita or Bam Bam or Pookie and you, and you, just, you, mm-hmm. you just any black person that you want, and just put them in mm-hmm. a spot just to think that that's going to satisfy and keep the government off your ass. I have a problem with that. If you're going to be really committed mm-hmm. to diversity, let's be committed to diversity and let's do it right. That's right. You see what I'm saying? Don't, don't sit up here and just hire just anybody because you think that's going to make everybody quiet, keep quiet mm-hmm. and shut up. Right. You know, if we're going to be diverse, we're going to be committed to having a well-diverse, um, society and integrated society. Let's be serious about it. Mm-hmm. Let's do it right. Thank you. Mhm. Yep. You're right. I don't even right. work with Nene and Pookie. I don't want to even work with them. Right. So if I'm bringing somebody that's a minority, make sure you bring in somebody that is top top of the line, top notch, and let's let's really level this playing field. Let's let's do it right. That's my thing. Mhm. I mean, yeah. I mean, my wife. Yes, you're absolutely right about that. Mhm. Yep, you're right. When you come in there, you want to make sure that you do it right. And if you're not going to do it right, you know, don't even apply. Don't don't even go. Just don't. Oh my god! I'm trying not to laugh. But, you know, I'm I'm serious though. Like I am dead mm-hmm. serious. I mean, shoot. I mean, 
that's what's giving affirmative action a bad name because these people are just hiring anybody. That's they just right. Put anybody in positions, and then that's why people look at it and it's like, and they don't take it seriously because you just mm-hmm. want to put somebody in there just so the government can be off your back. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And see, but you know what, but, uh, let me say this. Hmm? Go ahead. And so let me say this. And then what gets me, too, is that, you know, a lot of times you have these people that they hire that are not even honest when it comes to the job. They will you know, commit fraud, you know, like they do so many things. And it's like, and that just goes back to what you said, you can't hire just anybody in there. That That's why you have to make sure that you do the extensive background checks to make sure that they're right, make sure that they're qualified. You just can't look at the person and say, well, okay, this is exactly who we need. You know, we're, you know, we're desperate. We need somebody now. You can't do that because your desperateness can really cause can can really uh cause a problem, and then ooh, and these these companies out here are just not right. They're not. They are not right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Michael, what do you have to say about all this? Well, I think uh, speaking in terms of the Supreme Court. Looking at the Supreme Court, I see where they're pretty much siding with the university. And whenever you see the Supreme Court send something back, that's their way of saying, we just wanted to clarify something here, but we're getting rid of it now. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of what they're doing. It doesn't sound to me like they wanted to, you know, it sounds to me more like they're siding with the university on that, totally. And that's where I am tracking with, because they're, if they're sending it back to the lower courts for further review and applying a heightened state of scrutiny to it, those are all fancy legal terms for, we're not real comfortable with what you guys think you're trying to do over here, so we're going to let you try and work it out on your own. Now, is this really what you want to do? Yeah, exactly. Exactly, which is kind of their way of saying, don't make us really step in and make you look bad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, you know, there's there are enough companies out there and there's enough ways out there that if, you know, to show people how to do a business or a process, do it the right way and, and to be proper I'm, about it. The thing about it is, I, I'm not against affirmative action, obviously, but still I am against it when people aren't doing it right. Right. There's right. plenty of good ways out there. The information is readily available on how to teach a company or an entity to do it the right way. So yeah. there's really not an excuse for the stupidity, I guess, that's being hypothesized. In my opinion, especially if you have if you have a company that represents a a large global market, you definitely want a diverse workforce because absolutely types of people you want people that they you, you want it, you want to, to people to feel that they recognize your community if we're supporting you like do you do you care about me you know what I'm saying like do, does does your workforce reflect me you know what I'm saying like I don't know how to put it it's mm-hmm. like you you want 
So they have to show that they're going to be an inclusive environment for all people, especially if they have a global workforce. You know, they have to show that they're trying to willing to make a global impact in all communities. Yeah, you want that to mirror. You definitely want that to mirror your uh, workforce. Absolutely. You You want it to mirror your workforce and uh, vice versa your uh, your uh, your clientele. So that's that's what that's what I'm all about. But like I said, when you sticking just anybody in a position because you feel that you need to do that, I, that's that's to me that's not right. Mm-hmm. Don't 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 stick Pedro, you know, in there. He can't even hardly speak English or stick Shaquita. She can't even speak English right. That's supposed to be her first language. She can't put a sentence together. She can't put a, 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 a sense with a verb and a noun together, a, a, a basic sentence together, and you want to stick her in that position because you feel that you got to have X amount of blacks and Latinos, or you know, or you sticking somebody in it like, don't get me started. Like you, you damn near so desperate that you want to stick somebody in a position that's not a legal immigrant. Mm-hmm. You want to call mm-hmm. that diversity. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> that's like that, that, I, that's that's almost like. Come on, I mean, Michael, you can relate to this. That's like you calling barbecue like authentic barbecue by sticking some ribs in the oven and throwing <laughs> some barbecue sauce on there and some liquid smoke, and you sitting there on the table talking about that's authentic barbecue. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just saying, if we're going to be authentic, let's be authentic. Mm-hmm. And that's all, I, right. that's all I really have to say about that, you know. I don't know if you want, want to say anything else before I move on, because i got two more stories I want to do. I want to get on. Um, we're going to probably do the uh, George Zimmerman trial last, but there's another um, story coming out. And I don't know if you had anything that you want to add about the – I know you Doma and Prop 8, I don't know if you had any more information on that because while we were talking about Supreme Court rulings or we can do another show later on once that ruling comes out, you want to do it like that? Yeah, I think that would probably be better because right now everybody is just up in the air on the speculations of, well, could be this, could be that, and I know how I think it's going to go, but I discussed that on the show already once before, so... Yeah, you know, right. we'll 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 know within a week. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe we can we can bet a ham buggy and a, a, not a hamburger, but a ham buggy and a, and a soda a soda pop. Yeah. <laughs> on the results of that, so you know, hey, might want to take you up on the offer. Hey, you know, hit us up. So yeah, I think it's going to be interesting how the cards fall. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, we're gonna move right along to this next story. Um, and I need to pull this article up. Uh, before we play this, I want to play. Well, we already got past that story, but I kind of want to put in perspective. I, I did have a clip that I wanted to play. I think I have it uploaded. Uh, about the whole affirmative action case before we do move on, just to put it mm-hmm. into perspective. Hold up. And I'm going to see if we have that 
clip uploaded, and we do. And we're going to go to this quick, quick um, clip, and then when we come back, we're going to jump into our next story dealing with the voting act, and um, we're going to go from there. No final word on affirmative action from the Supreme Court. The high court has sent the Texas case on race-based college admissions back to a lower court for another look. The court's 7-1 decision Monday throws out the decision by the New Orleans-based 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, which upheld the Texas admission plan. Justice Anthony Kennedy, writing for the court, says the appeals court needs to subject the University of Texas admission plan to the highest level of judicial scrutiny. But the court's ruling still leaves unanswered questions, and colleges across the country are watching closely. Colleges nationally are very concerned about diversity in their student bodies, and they're very worried about any attempt to limit the way they can consider race in admissions. Opponents of affirmative action say colleges should never be allowed to sort students based on skin color. Noel Wegg, the Associated Press. And uh, we're back, and, and it pretty much sums up what we what we were talking about, you know. And for people to deny that there is a problem, and, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and you, you're living in an idealistic world. There does need to be, I feel, this is me speaking as a minority, there does need to be some attempt to to uh, kind of police that pol- the, the admissions policy because, you know, people go, oh, it should never be based on skin color. You know, the same people are saying that are probably going to be the same ones that mm-hmm. are going to be running campuses that have no type of diversity, nothing to offer students of color or anything else. So people that are be careful people talking about, oh, we shouldn't we shouldn't um we shouldn't make a determinant factor based on skin color, blah, 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 blah. You know, those are the people that mm-hmm. are looking at it wrong. And it's almost like you gotta look at it from the psychology of the whole situation. It's almost like that like when people say looking at a glass half empty or half full, you know, they're looking at it from a different point of view psychologically, and they're trying to make you think that, oh, we're not going to judge you based on the color of your skin, but in essence, they really are. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, that's kind of how I take that, but, hey, what do I know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's mm-hmm. get on, uh, yeah. Supreme Court guts key part of landmark voting rights act. Mm. This article comes from Yahoo News, um, and it's written by Lawrence Hurley, and he is a correspondent out of Washington. Um, and the article reads as such: The U.S. Supreme Court on Tuesday gutted a core part of landmark 1965 Voting Rights Act that challenges um, Congress to come, which challenged Congress to come up with a replacement plan to protect blacks and other minorities in places where discrimination still persists rather than target former slaveholding states in the South. In a 5-4 ruling with the court conservatives in the majority, the, justice ruled, the justices ruled that Congress had used outdated facts in continuing to force, force nine states, mainly in the South, 
to get federal approval for voting rule changes affecting blacks and other minorities. The court ruled in favor of officials from Shelby County, Alabama, by declaring unconstitutional um, a section of the law, mostly most recently updated by Congress in 2006, that, that set the formula that decides which states and locals in the locales in the history of racial discrimination need federal approval to change voting laws. Pre- President mm-hmm. Barack Obama expressed disappointment with the ruling and asked Congress to pass legislation to ensure every American has equal access to the polls, which I'm going to stop mm-hmm. there today. They're, they're, you know, even in 2013, like as of the last major election, there have been attempts mm-hmm. to stop certain people from getting to the polls. Like, I don't care what anybody says. We're going to get on that in a minute. Uh-huh. Well, today's decision invalidating one of the law's core provisions upset decades of well-established practices that help make sure voting is fair, especially in places where voting discrimination has been historically prevalent. Obama, the first black president, said this in a statement. The ruling appended um, legal protections for minority voters that were a key achievement of the U.S. civil rights movement of the 1960s mm-hmm. led by Martin Luther King, Jr. Voting Rights mm-hmm. Act as a whole was enacted to broadly prohibit poll taxes, literacy tests, and other measures common in states with a history of slavery that prevented black people from voting. Quote, our country has changed, and while any racial discrimination in voting is too much, Congress must ensure that the legislation it passes to remedy that problem sees the current conditions, Roberts wrote. But Democrats have accused Republicans at the state level in recent years of enacting a series of measures intending to suppress the vote of minority groups likely to support the Democratic candidates, and that's what I'm talking about right there. Just last week, the Supreme Court struck down an Arizona law that required people registering to vote in federal elections to show proof of citizenship, and that's right there. They're trying to attack the Latino community. A victory for activists who said that it discourages Native Americans and Latinos from voting. Today, Tuesday's decision placed the burden on Congress. Sharply divided along party lines to point to the point of virtual gridlock to pass any new voting rights laws like the ones sought by Obama. I have a dream revisited. Civil rights activists looking ahead to the August August fiftieth anniversary of King's famous march on Washington hope that Tuesday's ruling would revive the spirit of that event and prompt Congress to act. It was before a massive crowd in front of the Lincoln Memorial that King gave his era-defining I Have a Dream speech. Wade Henderson, president of the Leadership Conference of Civil Human Rights, predicted a massive mobilization for the anniversary. Roberts said that the formula that Congress uses to to determine what states and locales should be covered by provisions relating to approval for voting 
changes when it is mostly reauthorized the law should have been updated. Quote, Congress did not use the record it compiled to shape the coverage formula grounded in current conditions, he wrote. It is instead reenacted a formula based on a 40-year-old fact having no logical relationship to the present day. The coverage formula, therefore, violates the sovereignty of the affected states under the U.S. Constitution, Roberts said. Congress could pass a new version, but it would have to reflect, quote, current conditions, unquote, he said. The issue of voting remains prominent in the United States. During the 2012 presidential election campaign, judges nationwide heard challenges to new voter identification laws and redrawn voting districts with some blocks before the election. In February, Obama, a Democrat, decried decreed barriers um, to voting in America uh, and announced a commission to address voting issues. Uh, let's get on down here to, okay. Cheryl Ifill, president of the NAACP League Defense Educational Fund, accused the Supreme Court of leaving, quote, millions of minority voters without the mechanism that has allowed them to stop voting discrimination before it occurs, unquote. Now, Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Patrick Lee, Lay, a Vermont Democrat on Tuesday, pledged to move quickly to try to restore voting rights protections after the ruling. Quote, I intend to take immediate action to ensure that we will have a strong reconstituted voting rights act that protects against racial discrimination in voting, Lay said. Republicans were largely silent on the court's ruling. Neither, which they better be, neither House or Representative Speaker John Boehner nor Mitch McConnell, the top Senate Republican, had any immediate comment. The court struck down Section 4 of the law, which describes the coverage formula, and not Section 5, known as the preclearance provision, which in general uh, is the general requirement that the covered states get approval from Justice Department or federal for court before making election law changes. Uh, let's skip on down. Uh, okay, Tuesday's ruling left an enact section two of the law broadly prohibiting intentional discrimination in voting arenas. The decision is likely to have an immediate impact on the states previously covered by preclearance requirements that are battering, bat, battling federal oversight. Um, Texas has been uh, successful in fighting federal rejection of most of the recent congressional redistricting of voter identification laws, both of which were rejected by federal judges. The high court's ruling means that Texas will no longer need to seek their approval, although there is other litigation taking place over the redistricting plan. So that's pretty much the end of that article right there. Um, this is a very, very, very touchy subject. And it's almost like you, like like the article says, it's so touchy that the, the Republicans don't even want to come out and say anything wrong. <laughs> yeah, they're afraid to. Yeah, you know. Okay, we have another call. Uh, 
thing is, is people, people, it almost society nowadays almost tries to find a reason to dislike somebody, you know, for, whether it's a minority or the other way around, you know, it ha- it goes both ways. I mean, I, it, you know, I don't always agree with Hispanics, although I'm a Hispanic myself, you know. And, but the thing is, is you know, there, there's a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things. Everything can be done. It's just you, you got to find the right way to do it. You got to stay out of the public eye, you know, uh, because once you're in the public eye, you you have became a target, you know. Mm-hmm. And the federal government has got very deep pockets. Like this, this guy here recently that. Uh, Leaked out. We worked for the Homeland Security and leaked out all them, you know, uh, top secret documents. You know, and now he can't find, you know, he, he can't find uh, anywhere to go in the world. You know, last I heard, he was still in Japan. You know, but you know, the federal government has already said they're going after him for treason, and treason carries the death penalty. This is a guy that had a top secret clearance, and you know, it, look for whatever reason, whether it was Bush, whether it was Obama, whether it was Reagan, whether it was Clinton, you know, every president has done good as well as bad. All right, and the, the thing is, is there, there's a reason that these things are top secret, and you know. There's a reason we're not meant to know these things. I carried the top secret clearance when I was in the military. You know, there's things that I can talk about. There's things I can't talk about. You know, there's things that have been declassified I'm free to talk about. But the thing is, is I know what I can and can't do, which is why I stay out of the public eye, you know. But people, you know, I mean, He's trying to hide behind the banner of freedom of speech, but it doesn't apply in that situation because every all the rules changed after 9-11, you know? Right. After, after the attacks of 9-11, everything changed. All of a sudden, the federal government was really became big brother. You know, it wasn't under Obama, you know? It wasn't at all under Obama. It was under W. Bush. You know, yeah. when all of a sudden the federal government now attacking him. You know, I notice now they are attacking him, talking about he, he's he's the president that's going after you know that that's invading people's privacy and uh, yeah, and, yeah. No, and sir, I, that, I, I've been that, noticing that, that. that'll happen with the Patriot Act, and that was yeah. W. Bush. You know, and Pete, but. You know, the Patriot Act was brought up after 9-11 attacks, and people were like, oh, safety, safety, safety. And they gave away their freedoms in, in, in the call of safety, you know. And, that, you know, I think it was Ben Franklin that said that those that give away their freedoms don't deserve them in the first place. Right. You know. Uh, you know, it, we are – we as a country – as a democracy, are still an experiment. But yet, you know, people keep trusting the same government that's taxing the daylight out of us, taking money out of Mm. our pockets so they can spend more and more and more. 
Bush Bush Jr. there spent money like a drunken sailor on the 96-hour pass. You know? Oh, Lord. And he absolutely did. And, and I, I swear there's something to these presidents now because Obama said, I'm going to match what you did, and I'm going to top you by growing the government even more. I don't want big government. You know, I don't want government looking at every little thing I do or, you know, checking every little email or checking my cell phone calls, you know. They have no business doing that. Here's my question to all that, though. The 9-11, do you realistically, do you think, though, that 9-11 just made the process happen quicker? Because we live in a technologically advancing society, and we know how technology advances, technology spies advance, you know, technological infiltration on all kinds and on all levels will continue to advance all around the world. Do you think 9-11 was just the catalyst that made the government move quicker at it? Kind of like, well, it was going to be inevitable anyway, but it just sped things up quicker. Yeah, 9-11, I absolutely agree with that statement. 9-11 was the reason it happened. You know, all of a sudden, you know, I, I wouldn't doubt if we look back, I mean, if you if you look back throughout history, what was Watergate? It was espionage within its own people, okay? Watergate was, during the Nixon era, was Nixon trying to figure out what the other party was doing, you know? So, you know, it took something like Watergate and made it perfectly legal, where now there's nothing hidden. Everything is open, you know? And 9-11 became the reason that everyone could agree on, you know? They, you know, they, they said, it's for our safety. We're not going to be going after the innocent people. We're going to be, well, you know what? There's quite a few innocent people that have been nailed on this, you know? Oh, yeah. The, the federal government doesn't have the cleanest record when it comes to uh, being on point, you know? And if, like I always say, I am strictly down the middle, you know, I'm an absolute independent. I don't vote, you know, straight party Democrat or straight party Republican. I study what the people have what the people that are running have voted for, what they've stood for, because they they damn sure ain't gonna tell you anymore, you know. But yeah, nine eleven was the reason everyone could agree on. We we all saw the buildings come down. We all saw them people that were being burnt, you know, jump from the 200th floor so they wouldn't burn up, you know, knowing they're leaping to their deaths. I still have the USA Today cover, uh, the USA Today paper that came out on September 12th, where in in the coverage showed uh, the World Trade Center 2 up close, and a guy, it was an up close shot of a guy Diving head first from World Trade Center too, and I remember looking at that picture, and I still look at it to this day. I kept all these, you know, all these things to tell my kids this is our Pearl Harbor, you know. And you know, I still remember I, that like it was yesterday. I, that, that don't even seem like that happened over ten years ago. It does just doesn't. It it just it seems like it just happened. Absolutely, and you know. It, it, it's one of the things, man, where 
I look at that picture and I'm like, oh my God, you know, with this guy knowingly leaped to his death because what was behind him was that horrible that he knew there was no escape. You know? Oh, Lord Jesus. And, and, you know, and and the sad thing about it all Mm. is when you think about it, that was the most rational thought. You know? What dif- what 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 differentiates us from the animal kingdom is the fact that we can rationalize. You know? Mm. Now mm. now, you know, back back on point, nine eleven absolutely it, we were heading there anyways, but at the uh present uh, at pre nine eleven we were still twenty years away from us getting to where we are now. And what ended up happening all of a sudden, everyone got scared. When you got terrified people because you have got a society that's been spoiled, and, and I, I, again, I ain't bashing when I say this, but that has been spoiled by zero attacks prior to that, with the exception of, like, the Unabomber, a couple of radicals here in Waco, okay? Um, that, that all of a sudden, oh, my God, they start thinking, oh, my God, they can get to us, you know? And but you know what? This is my it, thing, Jr. It's not even yeah. the form. It now it's not even international terrorism or whatever. We had we had to worry about domestic terrorism if anything. We have to Absolutely. worry about people in our own country uh, committing acts of terrorism, which you know, which have that those incidents have outnumbered any threat that we've had from people overseas. You know, and what that's like correct. If you look at the definition of terrorism, it's any act of violence that causes terror, okay? Now, by definition, we have had domestic terrorists here dating back to the 1600s, you know? Uh, does anybody remember that little thing called the Salem Witch Trials where they burnt people at the stake? You know, they, what, what about the Klan during the, 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 you know, 1800s and 1900s, early 1900s? You know, they were bombing churches. Hey, I, I, I can think of a few people that have done that, a few political groups out there that are under the terrorist watch right now that did that a time or two, you know? Not, not to mention, you know, and, and these, you know, look at all the lynchings that have happened throughout history, you know? All these random acts of violence towards minorities that have happened, by definition now, would be considered terrorist acts. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the thing that people fail to realize. This has been going on for ages, long before jihadists, you know? Long before jihadists. You you could take it back as far as the Crusades, you know the 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 um oh dang it the the you know the Catholic Crusades of the Middle Ages, mm-hmm. you know. But people only concentrate on the now. They start they fail to see the bigger picture. Because they're wondering, oh, when's Lindsay Lohan going to get arrested again? 
Or, you know, no, ooh, I think what? most people hold her. Nobody's, she's irrelevant now. The, the the only people that's making her relevant is the media. People, most people don't give a shit about Lindsay Lohan. They're over her. I, I just use that as an example. You know, I, 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 I could have used it better I, with uh, Kim Kardashian's baby. I, I actually heard a story today on the news about how they were sending fake baby pictures out to their friends to see which one was going to try to sell the baby picture to the media. You know? It, it, who cares? You know? Exactly. Who cares? Just, just, you know, you need to see what's going on around you. And, you know, this may make me sound like a conspiracy theorist or whatever. It may, it may not. Uh, but I know what I've seen. And you know what? It, there's a bigger, darker world out there that's ran by politics. And them are the same politics. Them same political figures are the same ones that were assassinating people in Colombia in the early 90s for speaking against the government. They're the same ones that would burn villages in Vietnam for speaking against the dang Viet Cong and Ho Chi Minh. They're the same ones that... It only makes sense because... Politics translates to money, and when you start getting in the way of people's money and getting away in, in in the way of their way of life and living, and you and you're interrupting that flow, then that's going to be some trouble. That's absolutely that's common sense. Politics is money, and when you get you, I'm telling you, the root of all evil is money. It's not politics; it's money. Absolutely, you know. It, as I, as like I said from day one that I came on your show, I am a true line independent. You know, I I, I study before I vote. You know, I don't. I never vote straight party. I think that's the worst thing anybody could do. You know, I vote to who I feel is the best candidate for my views. That doesn't but mean it's going to be the I best think... candidate for your views, but. I, I think ignorance is no excuse, and I think most more people are voting, uh, even though they have a party they're going to vote. They may have a party with, with, which which will align with their beliefs, which that's their right. If they want to sure. be a Democrat, they can. You know what but, I'm saying? See, it's not one side that fits all. I know what you're saying. People going to have a platform where they fit their ideas, but as far as voting on, and I think people are becoming more educated. I, I don't think people are yeah, doing I did, that. Yeah, I do. I, I do too. Twenty, hey, hey, twenty years ago, would we have ever said uh, Barack Obama would have ever had a chance at the presidency? Absolutely not. You know, not twenty years ago. You know, I don't agree with everything Obama does, but by God, I give him you credit where he does. Everything that anybody does. Everything that anybody yeah. does, you're not going to agree with it. So yeah, I, absolutely. I never agree with a 100 percent. But that's the beautiful thing about this country. We can do that and not worry about repercussion. But if you keep giving power to the government, that if you if you ever get a chance, check out the history of the thing, uh, the the Russian monarchy. Okay. Prior to the Bolshevik movement, all right, because you know, although the you know the monarchy was extremely crooked, and you know while all of Russia was nearly starving, which nothing has changed, uh, 
the Bolsh- that's how the Bolshevik movement moved, was through passion from the people. Hey, look, we're starving. We can't be any worse under this other government. You know, this government represents the people, you know. They, everything's going to be equaled out, you know, and look what happened. You know, it, well, in 1995, the first McDonald's opened in Moscow, and it cost $8, eight American dollars for a plain hamburger over there. When their monthly income is the equivalent of about 25 bucks, who's going to spend eight bucks for a hamburger? You know? And, but, yeah, man, it, it, it uh, it, you got to be careful because it's still an experiment. And the people fail to see that. They, they take okay. these freedoms that we have for granted, and we can get rid of them at any given time. All right. Okay, we got to move on. I got one more story I want to um, try to get in here, and it's very important. I know we're past 12 o'clock, but I want to get this recorded. Um, and and it has to do. We can, we have to definitely touch on this. Uh, there's a couple of articles I want to at least. I'm not going to read all of them, but I'm going to touch on some of them dealing with the George Zimmerman um, trial. And um, as you guys know, that this this uh, trial is pretty much on the way. And um, it's it's already getting heated. It's already getting heated. Um, I wanted to really, I wanted to get on this earlier because there's so much I want to discuss with this, and I want to get your guys' opinion. And you know, gonna call it a night. Um, but uh, the, the trial started off. <coughs> I, <laughs> Uh, the article that I want to read after we go to this clip is Profanity, Theatrics, and a Joke on Day One of George Zimmerman's Murder Trial. And pretty much they said the trial started off with a bang. So we're going to go to this clip really quick, um, and then we're going to come back and discuss. Um, I have it pulled up, queued up. So we're going to go to this clip. It's only a little, about a minute and a half, and then we're going to come back and... Um, discuss the case and read these couple articles and get into it. Good morning. All right, let's Pumps. go. These assholes, they always get away. Those were the words in that grown man's mouth as he followed in the dark a 17-year-old boy who he didn't know. And excuse my language, but those were his words not mine. Listen carefully, please, to that call. And listen carefully when the screaming stops. It's right when the gunshot goes off. Trayvon Martin was silenced immediately when the bullet that the defendant fired passed through his heart. George Zimmerman is not guilty of murder. He shot Trayvon Martin in self-defense after being viciously attacked. Little did George Zimmerman know at the time that in less than 10 minutes from him first seeing Trayvon Martin, that he, George Zimmerman, would be sucker punched in the face, have his head pounded on concrete, 
and wind up shooting and tragically killing Trayvon Martin. All right, there you go. Um, I guess those were the opening arguments of both sides of the case. Um, Wow. Um, I guess from the sound of it, this is going to be one of those trials. It's it's going to be a lot of mudslinging going on on both sides of the aisle. And, And I can say this could go either way. But I definitely want to see. Have you guys seen those pictures of George Zimmerman in court and how what he – you've seen how much weight he has gained? No, I can't say I have. Oh, my gosh. He – when he got – when they first arrested him, he, he does not even look the same. He's gained so much weight. Like, obviously – He's not going without. He he's been he's been doing very well. He's been doing very well with all those the funding from you know and from people that have his supporters and stuff. He's he's been doing very well. I will say that you know I mean I looked at him. I was like this cannot be him. If you looked at the pictures of when he was first uh, when they first took him into custody versus now, it is crazy. He does not look the same. Like he he looks very healthy. Like it's it's just crazy. But I mean that's the size of him. But I just thought I throw that in. That is just, I mean, wow. Like it's it's crazy. Like he he's obviously doing very well. And and that's that's my thing. And I can go into a, a rant about that. Like you know, it's just like these prison systems. They, they they're not really. Sometimes I don't even think that they're people can go in there and get three square meals a day and live, you know what I'm saying, be comfortable. You know, it's just I'm not gonna even get into that. But anyways, uh this article like I said comes from Yahoo News and it reads and I'm not gonna read the whole thing. Um pretty much it says one of the most the most anticipated murder trials in recent memory began with a torrent of Profanity from the prosecution and a knock-knock joke from the defense. The, the state of Florida's case against George Zimmerman began on Monday with the expected debate about whether the man who, whether the man who shot and fatally wounded 17-year-old Trayvon Martin in February of 2012 committed murder or acted in self-defense. What was not expected was the bit of forced humor which felt jarringly flat. The lead defense attorney, Don West, declared early in his remarks that, quote, sometimes you have to laugh and keep from crying, unquote, and ventured, to, to, ventured into a joke. He confessed it was, quote, a little bit weird, unquote, to do so and asked the jury to avoid holding the jokes against the defendant. Then he went ahead, then he went ahead, knock, knock, West said, stunning both the jury in the assembled onlookers. Who's there, he answered himself, George Zimmerman. George Zimmerman who? All right, good, you're on the jury, unquote. There was barely a reaction. Nothing, West said in a genuine surprise. This was met with some nervous laughter. In a deeply 
strange way to open up the trial about a killing that was rattled and vexed in an entire nation. The death of Trayvon Martin on his way home from buying candy at a local convenience store has touched a national third rail, launching arguments and protests about race, gun laws, and civil rights. Later on, after lunch recess, West apologized. Quote, I really thought it was funny, he said. Sorry if I offended anyone, unquote. A clunky start struggled to find footing as West lodged through a long trail of evidence that lasted more than two and a half hours. The arguments meandered and West admitted as such. I don't know if I followed what I what I mean, he told the jury at one point. West's statement stood in stark contrast of the state's attorney, John Guy, who launched immediate, immediately into a flurry of storytelling. They repeated Zimmerman's muttered cuss words over and over again. Effing punks, the guy started right away, quoting Zimmerman in his call to police dispatchers in moments before his confrontation with Mark. Quote, these a-holes always, they always get away. Those were the words that in that grown man's mouth, which we heard on the film, on the taping. Um, let's see, what's going on down here? He accused Zimmerman of going after Martin. This defendant, riding around in his car, not with candy, not with fruit juice, not with a nine millimeter semi-automatic hand hand uh, weapon. Thirty minutes of crisp accusations ushered, along with the voice modulation of the occasional gesture towards the stone-faced gentleman, ended with this: "We are confident at the end of this trial, you will know in your head, heart, and stomach that George Zimmerman did didn't shoot Trayvon Martin because he he had to." He shot him because he wanted to. God's theatrics were offset by West's scientific approach. One issue this trial is is Zimmerman's mindset and whether he was instigating or afraid. Second-degree murder, as defined in Florida, is the, quote, unlawful killing of a human being. When penetrated by any act intermittently dangerous to another and in inventing depraved minds regardless of human life, although without any premeditated design to the effect of any particular individual, unquote. The part of the defense goal is now to show Zimmerman as calm and rational, motivated by protecting himself in the gated community for which he served as a neighborhood watch liaison, quote-unquote. While Guy presented the image of Zimmerman as determined to pursue Martin, even though the minor was unarmed, West tried, tried though, painstakingly to detail to show it, it was Zimmerman who was in trouble, saying that he noticed an unknown teenager approaching him and took no aggressive steps in the minutes between seeing Martin in the dark and pulling the tri- trigger. Okay. Um, let me on there here towards the end. Also, the issue is whether Martin was on top of Zimmerman when the fatal shot was fired. West mentioned several pieces of evidence in his opening remarks, including that 
the can's iced tea found on Martin after the shooting to suggest Zimmerman was in a prone position. The lack of blood on Martin's hand noted that noted in the state's attorney's remarks was explained by the wet conditions of perhaps a medical examiner's mistakes. As as for the absence of M- Martin's DNA, West said it doesn't necessarily prove anything. West even closed by countering the prosecution's statement that Martin was unarmed. What the evidence will show you, West said, is that that is not true. Mr. Martin armed himself with concrete sidewalk. That is deadly weapon. That's a deadly weapon, unquote. It left the jury with at least the idea that Martin, not Zimmerman, was the aggressor, and it was a sure signal that in such sobering and troubling trial that there would be no more canned jokes. So that was the end of that article. Um, and this other article was pretty much Find it. Uh, yeah, they were saying how um, they were just pretty much trying to weigh in the police report and um, seeing how that would play into the um, trial and stuff like that. Um, let's see if I'm gonna even read this. Uh, yeah, they're saying how he could potentially get life in prison if convicted of second-degree murder for gunning down Martin. Um, they said he followed him in a truck and called a police dispatch number before he and a teenager even got into the fight. So that right there could say a lot. Um, and... Um, I'm not going to get to this article. It's, like, really long. But if you want to go back and read it, um, it is found on Yahoo News, and the article was submitted by the Associated Press, and it, it is, it's entitled Judge in Trayvon Martin Case Ways the Police Calls. So that could be a huge determining factor on how they convict him um, and whether they convict him, uh, especially um, under second-degree murder. So, you know, I don't know. What do you guys think about this whole case? And what do you think about how um, both sides kind of opened up the trial? Like, do you, do you think that it was kind of tasteless? Uh, I think it was tasteless? very Yeah. I th- you know, it, after the back and forth constant, all this stuff, it would not surprise me in the least if this whole thing resulted in a hung jury. Yeah. And then what are they going to do? Start over again? And, Michael, for those who – can you explain the concept of a hung jury? A hung jury is what happens when a jury cannot – when typically you hear a verdict of guilty or not guilty – that means all of the people on the jury agreed on that outcome. So a hung jury is when a jury is not able to agree. You know, there's a preponderance where they're not able to agree that, yes, someone is guilty or innocent. So then so that's when you have a hung jury. When the jury cannot come to a unanimous decision, 
then they either have to start over or cut the person loose. So, but who who decides it though? Uh, the prosecution. The prosecutors usually decide on it on how they're going to handle that because it's not a conviction, but it's not an acquittal either. So double jeopardy standard doesn't apply to that. Usually at that point, the prosecution decides on what's in the best interest for the public and what's uh, the best interest at hand and how to proceed from there. But it'd be, I don't know, some of those really big expensive cases like that, some of them have gotten to be where they'll try them again. But then there's been others where they've said, nope, we're just going to let it go at that, and we're not going to try it anymore. So that's kind of how it's all went. But it wouldn't surprise me either way. And can you kind of see where the second-degree murder would come into uh, play, possibly? I can see where all of it can come into play. Um, As far as the second degree, I'm not super up on Florida's standards for the degrees on how they consider those. I know that's looked about a little different state by state, but, you know, still it is a murder charge. I believe usually a second degree is commonly labeled as one of those that you would get life in prison for, not necessarily death penalty, which I'm not even certain that Florida has a death penalty, but anyway, that's, you know, I don't know. There's a whole lot of variables, but it wouldn't surprise me. I I don't know. I think you're going to see one hell of a show out of this trial, and it's, we'll probably, I think, through most of it, be sitting here shaking our heads going, seriously, did they really just do that? Yeah. And I'm really wondering how long they're going to drag this out. This is, I really don't think this is not going to be one of those over-the-night type of things. Like, it's not going to be like, wham, bam, thank you, man. I think right. this is going to be something that's going to drag out for a while. So, you know, if you're looking for something that's just going to be, you know, it's, don't get your hopes up. If you think this is going to be a trial that's going to be over and, Done with overnight. It's not going to be one of those trials. It's, it's just not right. So, um, well, either. Yeah, I don't think they it's are going to drag on as long as some people think. But still, I think it's it's not going to be an over and done sort of thing. Yeah, and I think it's going to change the face of a lot of things. You know. Uh, and how we really look at not only just race or something, but just about the laws of self-defense. Uh, just it's just a lot of things are going to uh, come out of this. I think a lot of uh, ways of people thinking about certain issues and uh, possibly future laws that are passed. Um, so, but um, you still with us, Jr.? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm just listening right now. So what? So what do you feel about the whole situation? I mean, and about how things started off in the trial and how did you know 
uh, <laughs> the prosecution and the defense handled themselves in court? Well, uh, if you uh, remember correctly, uh, yeah, I ended up uh, a few shows back saying how when this trial starts, it's going to get ugly. It's going to get real ugly. Oh, yeah. Because the, de- the defense's job is to discredit, you know, what the prosecute the facts of the prosecution, to put doubt, reasonable doubt, okay? So you're going to hear all these things about Trayvon Martin that are going to come out, you know, like he he, he spoke weed three days earlier, you know. You're, you're going to hear all these things come out. It's going to be a lot of mudslinging to try to break the character of Trayvon Martin. The facts are very simple, though. Trayvon Martin was a teenager, okay? That Everything was recorded. In, in the entire event was recorded through the 911 dispatcher. You know, the, the Zimmerman was told by the 911 dispatcher not to engage. He engaged. He fired. A kid died. It's that simple. Now, unfortunately, it, it won't it won't be that simple in the court of law. You know, they they are. The defense is going to come out. The prosecution is going to come out. They're going to bring out. So we're we're going to learn every last little detail about George Zimmerman. About how he was shot down. He 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 wasn't accepted to go to the police academy for failing a psychiatric evaluation. You know, we'll we'll be hearing these things. How you know he he might have ate one too many burgers and he wasn't physically fit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, All these things are. Going to, Oh, Lord. You know, all these things are going to come out. But it, it's going to get it's going to get extremely ugly. The family, the only people I feel bad for is the family of Trayvon Martin. And the reason why is because they're going to have to relive all this. They're going to have to listen to the mudslinging coming in from the defense's side. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you know, no kid is perfect. God knows I got a couple screw ups in my house. But you know, when it comes to it, anything happened to any of my kids, hell or high water would keep, you know, wouldn't keep me from freaking going after the guy that done it. You know? Mm-hmm. If you ask my version of justice, my version of justice would be put Trayvon Martin's mom in a dark room with uh, George Zimmerman for 20 minutes and let her do whatever the hell she wants to him. Just turn a blind eye to it. Mm. Don't be wasting time putting them behind bars for life where the taxpayer is going to be paying on average of $85,000 a year to house them, feed them, and all that. You know, oh, don't, don't be wasting time. No, 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 no. Wait, we need We need to go back to these things because there's a fine there's a fine line of responsibility. Yeah. And George Zimmerman was the adult in here. It doesn't yeah. matter if Trayvon came after him. Look, my my oldest stands six foot eight. Ooh, okay. I, I, and I've taken a punch from him. And it doesn't it, it doesn't affect me the way it would someone his age. There's a fine difference between a teenage strength and adult strength. 
you know, there's a very fine difference. And, you know, as, let, let's say Trayvon went after him with a rock or a cinder block or a brick or whatever the hell it was, okay? What he saw was Zimmerman coming with a handgun. The, the kid's got a right to defend himself by whatever means necessary. All he sees is this guy coming towards him with a handgun. You know, God knows I wouldn't. I, I'd find the nearest hard thing I could and give it hell. You know? The only two people that know what happened that night were Trayvon Martin and George Zimmerman. And unfortunately, we'll never hear Trayvon Martin's side of it all. You know? And I'm telling you, man, I I, I feel so bad for his family because they're, they're going to be living, you know, this mudslinging that may be unjust and may be unfair. Maybe Trayvon was a screw-up, you know? Maybe everything that Zimmerman said is factual to the T, but we'll never know, you know? We'll never know it. And, you know, if you ask me, he, uh, you know, Zimmerman had a fine line to use necessary force and lethal force, and he chose to go to lethal force. You know, was it necessary against a 17-year-old kid to weigh a buck 20? I don't think so. You know, and I think he needs to pay for it at bare minimum with manslaughter charges. You know, and if you ask me, my own personal opinion, if the prosecution feels they're going to lose this case, they may end up trying to plea bargain it out with manslaughter charges because I would only carry a few years in prison, and he'll he'll you know be what? up, but he'll never. I don't I don't mean to cut you off, Joe, but my thing is, justice is going to be carried out regardless because he will never be able to live, even if he, by some miraculous. Uh, circumstance where he, he gets off and he he's able to live back, get back on the streets. He'll he'll never be able to live a long life. No, no, and, he'll, and you he'll, know he'll he'll never he'll never be able to live as he know like so really, you know, that's lots of he some form of justice will be served. He's never gonna be able to live a normal life. Nobody's gonna ever want to really deal with him. And yeah, not even, hey, not even for the fact that they disagree with what he's done, it's like nobody wants to be associated with that. That's exactly right. You know, so he's going to face justice regardless. Yeah. Yeah. But but the thing the thing with it is, and I don't know, maybe it's in the water down there in Florida. Maybe there's too much alligator crap in that water because people are just nuts down there. I mean, you had what's her name? That that chick that murdered her daughter, and you know, and I was they, just gonna they, bring that up. Yeah, yeah. It, the, uh, you know, I, I can't, can't remember her name for the life of me. I mean, she was a hottie, but you know, it is what it is. I've her, heard her, her, her daughter was Haley or something like. That. I forgot her name. Yeah, I know yeah. you're talking about. Um, and that's going to bother me. Yeah. 
<laughs> I I have no you know I the, the Florida it, it needs to get it together as a state. And you know yeah, it's, don't be shocked. Do not be shocked if the prosecution feels they're going to lose that case if they just plead it out with manslaughter charges. You know, don't be shocked if it happens. I told you, there's yeah. going to be a lot of mudslinging. It will be drug out till the jury. You know, I, I'd say at most maybe six months before we hear a verdict. You know, but you're you're. Hello? You still on here? I'm still here. Oh, okay. I think there are probably oh, there. Oh, okay. okay, there you are. Yeah, there you are. Where does he keep me from going after that guy? You think prison bars are keeping me from going after that guy? He's got another thing coming. <laughs> you hear that? Yeah. It's just how it is. You know, parents' job is to protect their kids. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guarantee you if the shoe would have been on the other foot and it would have been one of Zimmerman's kids getting killed because somebody thought the exact same situation, okay? Zimmerman out there crying, you know, oh, this is a hate crime. He was such a good kid, this and that, blah, 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 blah. You know? It would have been the exact same deal, just opposite. You know? By the way, it, the, it, name is, the name of that and girl was taken nearly as long. They are. Yeah. They are. They are. It, it, it's a, it's a, they, they are. It, it, you're you're going to see what is what I refer to as the ugly side of the law come out. They are. Which was introduced to us during the ever famous Hojo trial. They are. Hello? 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 I can hear you. Hello? Seneca, I'm here. Oh, okay. Oh, he just got dropped. Yeah, well, I was trying to tell him the name that the girl he was trying to remember was Casey Anthony. But, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. It is. It's, it must be something that I would not want to live in Florida. It's some, it's, it's some nut cases down there. Yeah. Right. Mm-mm. But I guess that's about it. But yeah, I just wanted to get on that story before we get off here. Mm. Yeah. So you got anything that you want to announce before we get off air? Or? I don't think I do. I'm still working on enough stuff here. Very. Yeah. Yeah, I do want to remind everybody you can go back and um, we have some some interviews posted um, from Kathy Taylor Brown and DeAndre Pastor DeAndre Patterson. We just released those. We got a couple more interviews that are coming up that I'm working on right now. 
So just keep it locked on um, our YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com slash UCOFW. We've gotten several subscribers within the past couple weeks, and I just want to thank all you guys for supporting us, checking us out. Uh, We've also gotten a couple more people um, that have joined uh, our group page on uh, Facebook. So you guys can get on there and join us there. And um, that's pretty much it. Um, Like I said, be on the lookout for 3XR that's coming later this summer. And next week we'll be starting another one of our new shows on our network, um, Reality Check 317, featuring um, uh, C. Johnson. And... um, and we just we just gonna be doing it up this summer. We're gonna be doing a lot of big things. We got a big, uh, we got a uh, uh, interview slash documentary coming up dealing with the world of uh, people that are into uh, that the transgender world. Well, kind of more like the the world of female impersonation, and we're gonna talk about that. The world behind that, and um, kind of dealing with the GLBT community. They're a part of the GLBT community, but we're going to get a uh, point of view from a few people that are actually transgender and or uh, just people that are just into the world of female impersonation. We're going to get into that. That video will be coming out in the next couple weeks. I'm I'm working on that still. Um, so if you guys got any ideas or anything that you want to see, uh, feel free to just drop us a message, and we will uh, try our best to delve into that. So um, until next time, this is Michael, and um, or this is Seneca and Michael on The Urban Wire, where we shine the light on issues impacting the urban community. Um, good night, and hope that you'll tune into us soon.